Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. You're listening to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. Faith in Focus takes an in-depth look at matters of faith and belief from a female perspective. Life today is an information overload. The new digital native generation are perhaps the first to be born in a world where, for the most people, information is available 24-7 at the swipe of a finger. No longer are the daily newspapers or cumbersome volumes of encyclopedia needed to learn about the world. We don't even need to read. Videos and TikToks give us a glimpse into every corner of the globe. Gone are the days where we waited for 1pm, 6pm and 9pm for the daily news. Social media apps such as Twitter give us in-the-moment updates. The information we have access to nowadays is overwhelming and can be a minefield to wade through. And with new information comes increased exposure to the thoughts and ideas of others. No longer are we exposed only to the values of our school or our individual family. Through our screens we can learn about the way many others live and the choices they make in their lives. This gives us more choice than we have ever had before. And choices can range from the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the products we buy and engagement with social or political movements across the globe. In today's busy world, it is easy to make quick decisions or to go with the flow, follow the crowd and in the age of instant gratification, how much thought do we put into the choices we make? In today's busy world, it is easy to make quick decisions and follow others. In the past, we may have emulated political or national leaders, but in recent years, the rise of social media influences means that we have a huge range of people influencing and shaping our decision-making. Our choices may be conscious, for example, to like and follow someone advocating a particular viewpoint, or could be the more covert influence of fake news and propaganda. And we've all been there, that moment where we have to make a critical choice, the moment where we can head down one path or another. Sometimes these moments in life are very clear, and at other points the significance of our choices is unknown until events later unravel. But what is true is that each of us will spend our lives making decisions. So what do we need to make good decisions, to live our lives in a way that demonstrates our values? What are the thoughts that rush through our head when we choose our words or actions? Do we think about the impact on others? Do we think about how we will personally benefit? Do we consider our moral obligation to others? Or is it a mix of all of these aspects? One of the most significant influences on the choices we make is our integrity. It guides us through both the conscious and covert choices we make. Samuel Johnson said, Integrity without knowledge is weak and useless, and knowledge without integrity is dangerous and dreadful. And the issue of integrity is timeless, and it remains relevant today, even in the digital age. Bob Marley is quoted as saying, The greatness of a man is not in how much wealth he acquires, but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him positively. So, this is our focus for today on Faith in Focus, the value of integrity. We'll be discussing and dissecting the issue in greater detail in our discussion later, but we begin with a report on the role of integrity in faith. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. You are listening to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. I am Qudsia Ahmed. Integrity is defined in the Cambridge English Dictionary as the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles that you refuse to change and it is a central concept in many of the religions of the world. Issues and situations which highlight the quality of integrity are replete within the annals of religions. We are all familiar with the life of Prophet Joseph, peace be upon him, who showed his personal integrity through the trials which he faced in his life. Despite being subjected to injustice and malicious accusations from both his own brothers and his employers, He maintained his truth and demonstrated a nobility of character. So much so that his reputation as a man of honour and integrity spread even to the highest office in the land. The Bible contains many examples where a prophet of God maintained integrity in the face of opposition and difficult circumstances. 
In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word translated integrity means the condition of being without blemish, completeness, perfection, sincerity, soundness, uprightness, wholeness. Integrity in the New Testament means honesty and adherence to a pattern of good works. For followers of Judaism, integrity is important because their faith tells them that one of the first questions they will face after death is, did you deal faithfully and honestly with others? Talmud Shabbos 31a Integrity can be seen here for a person of faith is not linked to worldly gain in this life. Integrity is not promoted because it will advance a person in career aspirations of financial but is seen as a desirable characteristic because of the life to come. Indeed, it is faith which encourages an individual to reflect on their actions and the impact on others. This value is found embedded in Jewish scripture. Integrity can be demonstrated in a myriad way, but one way is in keeping promises and being true to your word. Writing in the Jewish News, Chief Rabbi Warren Goldstein states, in the context of making and keeping vows, the Torah says, He shall not desecrate his word. Numbers chapter 30 verse 3 The word desecrate implies that speech is holy and that therefore one should honour verbal commitments. Reinforcing this idea of the holiness of speech, Onkelos translates the verse, And Adam became a living soul, as Adam became a speaking being. It is the power of speech that distinguishes the human being from the rest of creation that defines the human being. In fact, the Talmud describes the human being as the medava, the speaker. Speech is sacred and by extension so are the promises we make to others. But making promises isn't just about upholding our commitments to others, it's also about being true to ourselves, what we might call personal integrity. And this is something separate to the sacredness of speech because it includes keeping promises we make to ourselves, promises we make in our hearts. The New Testament contains many references to integrity, including so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, in Proverbs chapter 2 verse 20. And the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them, in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 3. For Christians, Jesus, peace be upon him, is upheld as the ultimate example of living with integrity and demonstrating it in their own life. For Muslims, this exemplar is the holy prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He is known as the seal of prophets the high watermark and the standard by which Muslims should try to live their lives. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, said, A person who does not fulfil his trust is devoid of faith. The basis of honesty and integrity is purity, fidelity and veracity. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, was distinct in this respect to the extent the people of Makkah gave him the title of Amin, which means trustworthy, and Sadiq, which means truthful, honest, and they used to deposit their trust with him without any apprehension. So it is clear that integrity is woven into the fabric of Islamic principles and teachings. Muslims are encouraged to remember that God will ask them to account for their actions and are taught that they have an obligation to serve humanity and serve the needs of others, for the benefit of all. The promised Messiah, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, peace be upon him, analysed the deeper meaning of the personal quality of integrity. He states, if a person does not possess the qualities of integrity and honesty with full awareness of their implications, even if he does appear to exercise integrity and honesty in certain matters, this behaviour of his will not be considered moral. Instead, it will be a natural state lacking rational awareness and insight. So integrity for Muslims is a conscious moral choice made because of a faith in God 
and a belief in the life to come. It does not happen by accident and is not merely being good but is making good choices from within the foundation of faith and belief. Thank you, Kudzia, for that report. You're listening to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. Today we're discussing the topic of integrity in faith. Joining me to discuss the issue in more detail are Yasmin Mirza and Noreen Wittinger. Yasmin has worked in the NHS for the past 20 years as a clinical psychologist and Noreen is also a clinical psychologist who works with adults and families in London. She is currently completing a Master's in Family Therapy. So, uh, welcome ladies. Thank you for having us. You know, I'm going to start by diving straight into the central issue. So, Yasmin, how do you define integrity? What does it mean to you? So, yes, uh, integrity can be viewed as quite an intangible concept. It's quite a broad category and it could be a bit vague or something that's even ill-defined. So it's important that we first of all attempt to clarify what we mean by this concept. And it's also interesting to note that integrity comes from the Latin integritas, which means wholeness. So if we go back to the report and revisit the Cambridge English Dictionary definition of integrity as the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles that you refuse to change. What I'm interested in is this phrase moral principles, which I think is a good starting point for us. So psychologists Lennick and Keel in 2005 coined the concept moral compass. So the online Wiktionary website defines moral compass as an inner sense which distinguishes what is right from what is wrong. So functioning like a guide, uh, quite like a needle of a compass for morally appropriate behaviour. So this is a lovely metaphor to describe how we as human beings navigate our way on our life paths using a compass to help us figure out what matters to us most and what we want to stand for in life, what sort of person we want to be and even what sorts of strengths and qualities we want to develop. So this concept of a moral compass has been expanded by psychologist Barnard et al. in 2008. So their paper is a great paper. Um, The research uh, tries to put together a conceptual framework on integrity. And these psychologists, they ask the question of whether integrity relates to a moral compass consisting of a unique individualised set of values. So what this is referring to is values that have been internalised by a person or, on the other hand, whether it relates to universal values, which is the minimum requirement for integrity. So, perhaps unsurprisingly, numerous research papers show integrity to reflect both individual core values and universally accepted values and principles. And then, interestingly, Barnard's research identified several values that their research participants saw as fundamental to integrity. So, firstly, uh, they talked of empathy, where people show respect, care and consideration for other people's interests and their well-being. Secondly, they found people with integrity are driven or motivated by a need for meaning and purpose and a desire to want to contribute to something external to the self. And then thirdly, they related integrity based on an internal locus of control. And by that, I mean the active role a person takes in their life by the choices they might make. And then lastly, they saw that integrity is displayed in an optimistic approach to life where people believe in a positive future, that problems can be resolved and that one is never helpless. So I have outlined here the multifaceted definition of integrity, um, which reflects a mixture of personality characteristics, attitudes and values, including the valuable concept of a moral compass. Thank you, Yasmin. And um, I think it's much more comprehensive than the dictionary definition uh, that we mentioned earlier. And it it just shows that it's not a simple uh, concept. It is something that requires deeper thinking. Um, And Noreen, what does having integrity mean to you? To me, the essence of integrity is ensuring a circularity uh, between our values and our actions. So if we integrate what we believe into our daily lives and are mindful of our principles it will automatically follow that if we think something is good and worthy this will flow into our habits and our behavior so 
For example, if we uphold a value of kindness to our neighbours, we will take care to consider the impact of our actions on them. And that could be as simple as ensuring we don't disturb them through our own activities, like having noisy parties or watching television at a loud volume into the late evening or blocking access to their home. If we're connecting to this value on a deeper level, then we might extend our value of kindness by taking actions that not only avoid causing harm, but that foster good relations and ensure our neighbours are not in any major difficulty. So, for example, we might check on their welfare by paying them a visit or inviting them to our homes. And if we uphold a value of looking after the elderly or disabled and combine this with our value to look after neighbours, we will pay particular attention to those neighbours in this category who might require support on a regular basis. So that's just you know some examples of our actions and values being integrated. And in my mind, where this occurs, even where personal interests might be compromised, you can call this integrity. Your point earlier about the pace of life being busy and how we often face decisions that need to be made quickly interested me. Uh, it made me wonder how can we achieve integrity when so many of our reactions are automatic and how can we in achieve integrity when as social beings we are motivated by the cultures within which we reside? How, in the world of consumerism, can we achieve integrity when so often advertisers speak directly to our core desires, but they don't necessarily inform us of the processes by which their products reach our homes? So I was thinking, how might I, as a human being, with all the limitations that are placed on me, remain conscious of my core values when taking decisions? I don't think any of this is an easy task, but there are times I can do this better. And it often relies on me stepping back and slowing down so I can make better judgments and connect with what I truly need. And in reflecting on my feelings and trusting my intuition, it's easier for me to spot any conflict between my values and my behaviours and ask myself if I'm upholding my own standards. And then, of course, there are practical steps like keeping informed and hearing different perspectives, adapting our actions when we learn new information. But it's only really in the stepping back from the automatic decisions that these steps are even possible. I think that's something that's worth reflecting over because, you know, we see with this trending and this viral nature of information that actually that triggers all our emotions quite quickly and requires a quick response whereas I think what you're saying Lauren is take that time to just pause and think and I think often in the digital sphere in particular that's that's missing and then we have young people growing up with that reaction with that speed of reaction so it's um, definitely pause for thought there and I think there are so many examples where someone has shown integrity and that leaves a legacy. It's not just in the world of faith, but in all areas of life. Harriet Tubman, for example, uh, was well known for helping enslaved people escape their bondage in the USA. Martin Luther King is known as leading on civil rights. And I can think of Michelle Obama famously saying, when they go low, we go high. And as an example, these are all examples of leading with integrity. And as you said, Noreen, your actions and your... Um, beliefs matching. So can you give uh, a personal example of someone you admire who's shown um, integrity? For me, one of the best public examples of integrity in recent years was in the Prime Minister of New Zealand's response to the Christchurch bombing in 2019. Um, and Jacinda Ardern acted quickly and compassionately and in speaking about the victims, uh, she told her nations, and I quote, They are us because we represent diversity, kindness, compassion, home for those who share our values, refuge for those who need it. And she received worldwide praise for her responsivity as she expressed solidarity with the victims and promptly initiated changes to gun laws. 
and in 2020, after the results of the Royal Commission of Inquiry were published, she apologised for the government failings that were identified by the inquiry, such as the disproportionate scrutiny by security and intelligence agencies towards Muslims, compared to investigations of threats by white supremacists and failings within the firearms licensing system. Another notable example that comes to mind is the way that scientists held firm to the pursuit and application of knowledge about the natural world and the value of working collaboratively to develop vaccinations for the COVID-19 virus. And Time magazine in 2021 ran a feature on four scientists, Kismeka Corbett, Barney Graham, Catalin Carrico and Drew Weissman, whose work led to the development of the mRNA vaccines. And this advancement in vaccine technology will have wider reach than this pandemic, but it was only possible through these professionals operating from positions of trust and a strong desire to advance healthcare for the public. Mm, and I think that was spoken a lot of uh, at the time, um, information sharing and not holding on to knowledge, but sharing it with others for free and not using it to make a profit. Um, and I think it's perhaps something we don't think about if we're not in the scientific community. It's perhaps something we're not totally aware of. But I thank you for raising that point, um, Noreen. And they are poignant examples, especially given the pressure we uh, those people were under and the circumstances they were in. So for them to show integrity at such a time is quite inspirational. But how important is integrity to you as a concept, uh, Yasmin? Is it something that you're aware of and you think about or is it something that you've learnt and which has become part of your personality and conduct? That's an interesting question uh, because I think in our busy, oftentimes chaotic lifestyles, we can mostly be on automatic pilot mode, where, as Noreen's already mentioned, where we switch from one thing to the next without giving it too much thought in reflecting whether our behaviours reflect our integrity. So rather than being consciously and actively aware of my underlying values and moral compass, I must admit that it's more when my behaviours do not reflect my integrity that my conscience is pricked. It so alerts my mind that I've done something wrong. And the uncomfortable feelings that arise, usually uneasiness or anxiety, guilt or even shame, will prompt me to self-reflect and that is usually when I can recognise that my behaviour contradicted my values related to integrity. And I think that's something we all feel, isn't it? We've all felt the um, prick of our conscience, as you as you mentioned. It's a good, good guide, um, as that movie Pinocchio tells us, your conscience will be your guide. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Noreen? Is integrity something you consciously think about having? For me, um, being raised as a Muslim and particularly as a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, an early grounding in religious morals has certainly shaped who I am today. I recall from an early age being taught about our perfect exemplar, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and his excellent standards of honesty and compassion. And this knowledge continues to inspire me. There are also many stories within the Ahadith, the collection of sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which have influenced me. And two stories come to mind immediately. First, the Prophet, peace be upon him, told his companions about a man who removed a thorny branch in the road, which would have prevented any harm or inconvenience to persons journeying along that route. And the second story he told is of a woman who took off her shoe and used this to give water to a thirsty dog. In both these stories, there are examples of ordinary people acting in accordance with values of kindness and serving the needs of others. Integrity is also of utmost importance to me as a psychologist and a therapist. It's not uncommon for me to see people who have experienced oppression, abuse and or marginalisation. If I fail to be present and stand witness to the pain of my clients, then even though it is not my intention, I might become complicit in the harm. However, in order to be there for others and show up consistently, I must also take steps to ensure my own well-being and consistently attend to my own personal and spiritual development. So I must follow the advice I would give to others to foster good relationships, be grateful for my blessings and communicate what I need to keep going. 
Um, I mentioned earlier that technology is changing our lives and the people who influence us. <coughs> so we, you know, it's changing who we're influenced by. Does that mean that the standards of integrity are changing? You know, given that the people who influence our choices are changing too. Is integrity a fixed concept, or can it shift according to the times? You are right, Sarah. Our environment is constantly changing, and with that, it changes our ways of doing things.、Uh, we live in an age now where things will, that we could say can be read by thousands of people online, and yet we might not have spoken to another person for days or even weeks. I don't feel technology is bad, but I think the changes in our relational context require adaptation, and that technology is often moving faster than we are. So to retain integrity, I think we need to engage in self-reflection. So, for example, it's very easy to dismiss, insult, or ignore others online, but we need to ask ourselves: Is this in line with how we wish to treat others? Can we re- review what content we're taking in, because that will have an influence on us? Does it serve our better desires, or are we satisfying a desire for entertainment that is ultimately? Taking us away from fulfilling our purpose. Actually, one of the advantages of our smartphones is that we can track things quite easily, and we can use this information to build new habits, like reducing time on social media or increasing the number of steps we take each day. We can use technology to set reminders and alarms. We can pledge our support for charitable causes, and we can access knowledge that benefits us in worldly or spiritual matters. So, in this way, it is conceivable that we can, if we are considered in our approach, use technology to enhance our integrity. Thank you. I think yes, of course. You know, definitely there's there's those benefits. We can use technology to better or improve ourselves. As you said, as long as it's in the correct way.、Um, Yasmin, what's your take on this? Can can integrity shift according to the times? So my initial thought was that integrity is a fixed concept,、um, and this is because I was thinking that our values remain the same; they are fixed. Whereas our behaviours can change during our lifetime, but they can still serve the same values, but in a different way. So, working as a health psychologist, I'm constantly helping patients with long-term conditions to adjust their behaviours to their new energy limits, but at the same time still serve their values before they were diagnosed with a long-term health condition. So, for example, a person previously enjoying long walks related to underlying value of her love of nature changed her goal to installing a bird feeder in her garden and enjoying watching the birds from the comfort of armchair. To adjust to her health limitations, so in this example, the patient's value of nature remained the same, but the way her behaviour served her value changed to adjust to her new health limitations. But if we refer again to Barnard's psychological research, where the paper comments on the development of integrity, which is rooted mainly in a person's upbringing, through which、um, parental and other significant role models within a particular social Cultural contact, including religion, shapes a person's moral compass. So they argue that integrity should be regarded as an evolving trait. So quite different from a fixed trait, an evolving trait that is developed and influenced by various contextual circumstances that range from childhood right up until death. So a person is continually bombarded with experiences and choices in life that challenges a person's integrity. In each new environment, work context, and unique situation, people display behaviour that reflect their level of integrity. So it is therefore possible that a person with high integrity may, in a particular situation, act with limited integrity, and vice versa. So they conclude, Barnard and his colleagues. Um, that integrity may ultimately be an evolving construct, where people's integrity is judged by their day-to-day behaviour. I think that's very interesting, and it reminded me of the Islamic teaching to、um, bear true witness, even if it's against your own selves or against your own family members.、Mm-hmm. I think what you're saying fits exactly to that—that we would be just. And be honest until maybe it's affecting us or our loved ones, and then we sort of have a pause. Whereas Islam tells us, even in that situation, keep that integrity intact and stick to that value. Absolutely. 
I think sometimes it's quite difficult to judge someone's integrity. As you said, it, someone's integrity can shift um, from the outside. It's difficult to judge that. We see in the history of the prophets of God, for example, which are written in scripture, whereby people do not believe the claims that they are making in regards to the revelation or communication from God which they received. So one example would be that of Prophet Noah, peace be upon him, where some people or many people doubted his claims of the impending flood, despite him being known as a, as a straightforward and honest person. So how can we judge someone's integrity? How can we distinguish false information from truth? I think this comes down to paying close attention to what we know about someone's character. Um, I think it's about asking that question, have they previously demonstrated honesty and high morals? Are their current actions consistent with their past actions? But I think we shouldn't always get too stuck on this criteria only because there are many instances where people change through their experiences or new knowledge and I'm just thinking about the rising number of people who have taken up veganism in recent years we cannot judge them to lack integrity because we find evidence that they ate meat in the recent past so it could be more pertinent to ask things like is this person open to my questions because a person who is credible will generally be happy to explain their position and their approach. Thank you to listening for our discussion and we will take a short break. Join us again shortly to continue the discussion. You are listening to Faith in Focus. Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Musrur Ahmad has said, Remember, following the crowd and bowing to the influences of society is not freedom. Rather, True freedom is having the strength to follow your beliefs and to act upon your convictions. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. You're listening to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station and today we're examining the notion of integrity. We will continue with our discussion. Um, we've seen many times in history when truth reveals a failure of integrity in those we admire or elect into office. Um, and I think there's plenty of examples we can, we can call upon. How should we as a society resolve this disappointment or this lack of integrity? So as a psychologist, I'm interested in why some people show a lack of integrity. A lack of integrity has been linked to the concept of inner drive. So if we refer back again to Barnard's research, he shows that both a positive and negative link between uh, integrity and inner drive. So on the one hand, a person's inner wants needs and aspirations can act as our motivational forces for achievement, progress and hard work that seem to underlie uh, integrity. However, on the other hand, one's inner drives, so this involves a person's needs and aspirations, which can tempt one to act in ways that are not related to integrity, but become more aligned to selfish and self-seeking behaviours. Or in other words, where a person acts acts purely for self-gain. So therefore, understanding the positive and negative influences of inner drive associated with integrity can help us to understand failure of integrity. So, for example, the multiple news stories revealing government ministers saying one thing and doing something different. So, for example, not adhering to COVID restriction rules, the expense claims uh, revelations and illegal donations to political parties. So it is when personal gain is achieved in a manner that does not consider the universal values incorporated in the moral compass that lack of integrity is shown. So a person's wants, needs and aspirations can overpower one's moral compass where a person acts in a selfish manner. An example of these needs leading to a lack of integrity include the need for survival, the need to win, the need for power, for authority, status, wealth and success. 
So as a psychologist, it's the recognition that a person is in a constant battle with their ego, uh, comprising of their primitive desires of survival, success and power. Uh, and this battle is with their internal and universal moral compass. And then I want to bring in another concept here related to integrity, and that is the concept of authenticity. So again, coming back to Barnard's research, they found that authenticity is important on both an intra-personal level, for example, to thine own self be true, and on an interpersonal level, so where a person honestly and openly displays who one is and what one's intentions are to others. So in other words, authenticity related to integrity includes not having pretenses, hidden genders or ulterior motives when interacting with others. So we can recognize characteristics of people with poor integrity as including being invasive, being two-faced, perhaps manipulative, deceitful or even fake. And while you've just mentioned how society can deal with a lack of integrity, I think on a personal level that disappointment, you know, the potential breaking of trust, the failure of expectations, it can be a very difficult matter, you know, different matter than when it's happening externally to other people that you don't know, but it's very different when it's somebody that you do know personally. I think this is especially true if if that failure is done by someone close to you. So speaking now on a personal level, how can we deal ourselves with a lack of integrity in others that, that we know? Yes, so as we've discussed the many facets of integrity, including personality characteristics, values and attitudes, we can begin to understand that person-to-person values can differ or clash, resulting in conflict. So it's important to recognise that integrity is not perfection. And therefore, as human beings, we can work on self-reformation to support the development of our own strengths and weaknesses in integrity. And we can do this through developing two important skills, the skill of mindfulness and the skill of developing compassion for ourselves and for others. So Feldman and Kayukan, in their book on mindfulness, Ancient Wisdom Meets Modern Psychology, talks about the skill of inserting a mindful pause between our impulses and our reactive behaviours. So when faced with others holding different values to ourselves, it's easy to get caught up in automatic habitual patterns of thinking, reactivity, fear and even aversion. So practicing mindfulness, where we increase our moment-to-moment awareness of what's going on in our bodies, what's going on in our thoughts, our emotions, this can help us to protect, to develop um, a protective awareness and restraint. So mindfulness helps us to learn the skill of choosing to respond, and the emphasis here is on choice, rather than to react whilst remembering what is important and what we value. So cultivating a willingness to observe our negative thoughts and emotions with openness and clarity, adopting a non-judgmental mind state, promoting curiosity, supports us to being able to tolerate and be willing to understand different values. And then secondly, compassion. Compassion is is learning the skill of simply adopting a kind, friendly presence in the face of what's difficult, and in this case, relating to others whose values or sense of integrity is different from our own. So when people hear the word compassion, they tend to think of kindness. But scientific studies have found the core of compassion to be courage. So it's the courage to be compassionate, that lies in the willingness to see into the nature and causes of suffering, or in this case, conflict, uh, be that in ourselves or in others and in the human condition. So the challenge is to acquire the wisdom we need to address the causes of suffering in ourselves and in others. So by adopting mindfulness and compassion, these skills can help support integrity, which we can begin to see as a set of mutually reinforcing concentric circles Uh, where they start with our own minds and behaviours, where we've touched upon the work in self-reformation. And then these concentric circles extend to the people around us and who we relate to immediately. 
And then we've got the outer circles, um, including uh, wider communities, uh, with the last uh, circle, which embodies the wider world we live in. So we can really begin to understand and see the universal power of integrity. And I think what was very important there, or what struck me, was when you mentioned about taking that pause before reacting, and it reminded me of the teaching of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where he said to drink water. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling overwhelmed by your emotion, drink water. And that's just a way practically a practical way we're talking about 2000 years ago mm. almost when this science of psychology was not as well developed as it is now but he had given in his teaching that that moment of pause you know if you're feeling overwhelmed by your emotions physically do something that will give you a pause so that that struck me as as you were relating those points there yeah it just helps um sort of stop that impulsivity mm. and reactivity yeah just gives a gap doesn't yeah, it yeah absolutely between the overwhelm of uh, of the reaction as you're saying it yeah. just gives a pause and um noreen how do you deal with the lack of integrity in others well i think it is good to be cautious of those who lack integrity but i think we also might want to respect that we are each on our own path in life and Sometimes we might have the type of relationship with someone where we can ask them with kindness, is this really serving you and what you want? But checking our own kind of energy is vital. So if we take offering religious guidance, for example, in the earlier report it was mentioned that the promised Messiah, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, may peace be upon him, outlined a person with integrity as having um, rational awareness and insight and we may have an opportunity to help others gain this awareness and insight if our comments come from a place of love however if we approach from a place of judgment we might deter people from seeing a spiritual path as desirable and there are other aspects concerning how we approach someone so in regard to telling people to fear Allah, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, may Allah be pleased with him gave some excellent guidance and he wrote in his book Irfani Allahi and I quote directly from the translation people should not understand from this that when they see a flaw or deficiency in someone they have the right to openly reprimand and admonish him publicly in the marketplace. One should always advise or admonish in private and the well-wisher should also keep in mind his own capacity and status as to whether he holds the right to admonish the person, lest the result is not reverse or becomes perverse. Hence just as it is necessary for one who commits a mistake to hold the strength to tolerate and listen to the admonisher's words with a cool heart, it is also necessary for the admonisher to proceed with great caution. It should not be that he humiliates whoever he desires in front of other people. That's such pertinent advice and conversely I think it's important to examine the issue from the internal lens also. Sometimes we, we may make a wrong choice and I think everybody can admit that there have been times when they've done that. Or we might display a lack of integrity or even fall into patterns that show a lack of integrity. And not everyone is fortunate enough to recognise and to acknowledge this failure within themselves. But through self-reflection or external information, such as cancel culture campaigns, etc., we may reach a point where we do see our own failings. So from the perspective of faith, how do we address this? Noreen, can integrity be improved or learnt? Well, again, I think faith provides us with so many methods for achieving greater integrity. The Holy Quran, for example, is filled with guidance for the believers on those actions that we can take to do good. And if we follow such guidance, we can undoubtedly benefit mankind and fulfil God's trust. And this includes establishing worship, relying on God, telling the truth 
and spending of what you have been provided. And then, in addition to reading and contemplating on what is written in the Quran, there are regular faith practices. So a minimal of five daily opportunities in our formal prayer of Salat, where we take a step back and we connect with God and our place in the universe and our values. And a whole month every year, known as Ramadan, where we fast and devote ourselves to spiritual growth. And also an emphasis in Islam on charitable deeds, both financial and non-financial charity. These practices remind us of our blessings and they provide opportunities for us to demonstrate our values through our actions. But even with all this in place, we humans make mistakes and spiritual progress is not always linear. So we must accept our mistakes and God Almighty, he knows his creation well and has provided the most perfect framework when we falter or we lack integrity, and that is to ask his forgiveness and his help in overcoming difficulty. Another relevant advice that will help a person build integrity comes from the Hadith, the sayings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. It is narrated by his companion, uh, Abu Huraira, may God be pleased with him, that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, take up good deeds only as much as you are able, for the best deeds are those done regularly, even if there are few. Yes, I think that's key. One mustn't bite off more than one can chew, because as it's likely to cause more harm than good, um, and result in that overwhelm where we can't make good decisions, it's a bit of a negative uh, feedback. Um, and Yasmin, what's your take on this question? Do you believe that integrity can be improved upon or learnt? So it's difficult to uh, think I'll answer this question uh, directly. Uh, of whether integrity can be improved because I think it comes again back to the fact that the concept of integrity can feel quite intangible and quite a vague concept so I was kind of looking for something a bit more concrete and tangible and I found that in the psychological work of Barnard and his colleagues where they recognised that their participants in talking about integrity often describe behaviours that either reflected integrity or not. So this got my interest because behaviours feels much more concrete and tangible and something that you can work with. So in their research, they were able to identify 10 categories of integrity-related behaviours, um, which they formed into competencies of integrity. So I think identifying competencies of integrity is useful in helping us to determine whether integrity and answering this question, whether integrity can be improved or not. So let's run through these 10 categories. So the first integrity competency identified is that of self-motivation and drive. So this can be related to a can-do attitude or a skill of seeing things through. And then we've got secondly, moral courage and assertiveness. So this includes the courage of self-reflection as well as the courage to voice publicly one's values. Then thirdly, honesty refers to both honesty with oneself and to others about one's intentions and actions. The fourth competency is consistency in the application of core values in all different areas of one life. Then the fifth is commitment, and this is both public and private, which includes perseverance in one's duties and responsibilities despite challenging circumstances. Then we can move on to the sixth competency, which is diligence or conscientious effort. So we can all probably identify with a challenge um, of the seventh competency, which is self-discipline. So where we strive to attain what we've uh, set out to do without being distracted and going off on all sorts of different paths. Then we've got the eighth, which is responsibility. So this includes taking responsibility for actions, the consequences of our actions, and for our strengths and limitations. And then the last two competencies are trustworthiness, so keeping one, one, one's word, and fairness, and exercising non-bias in decision-making. So I think it's safe to conclude that we can all recognise that these competencies are not necessarily fixed and that we're all in a constant state of learning and improving. And we can probably recognise that these integrity-based competencies both have developed since our early teenage years and also continue to develop no matter what life stage we're at.
So again, using the skill of mindfulness we touched upon earlier, this can help us to incorporate mindful pauses through our day to help us reflect on whether our behaviours align with our values to help us with the development of these integrity competencies. Thank you. I think you've certainly given us a lot of um, things to reflect over in those list of competencies. I think we can all listen and, and sort of consider ourselves uh, to what extent we're fulfilling those or not. And again, uh, what's come up is this mindfulness, this pause. And again, what I, I, I'm not an expert in um, psychology at all, but what I do know is in other programmes when we've spoken together or we've come across... I find that there's so much in Islam that fits the model mm. of what the uh, psychologists are saying. So those five daily prayers are not a chore. They're not a burden. They're not a, something to be ticked off. They are to give you that mindful pause, to give you that throughout the day in your busyness, in your mm. overwhelm, to give you that time to pause and reflect and to think. And then there for people to use as best they can to take benefit. So it's interesting that... Um, psychological science mm. recommends such a such a time for self-reflection and pause. And that link between psychological science and religion and spirituality, mm. yeah. Yeah, and if you think of religion as coming from um, an all-knowing God that that's designed to fit with our natural state, mm. then that you know that becomes very clear that psychological science, when they're understanding natural state and getting more information about the natural state of the brain or psychology then that it will it should fit mm. with religious practices that have come from a, a, a creator that knows the creation that he's made there shouldn't be a clash i i, I believe absolutely <laughs> so thank you ladies for your contributions today i think we've managed to examine this concept from some interesting angles you've been listening to faith and focus on the voice of islam radio station Faith in Focus is produced by Mrs. Shamin Butt. Please do join us again next time for more discussion on matters of faith and belief. Assalamu alaikum.